Monday, May Day. This is a call to all you educators out there. It's time to shift our schools. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools, Episode 3, Passion for Learning, How to Nurture and Grow It. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools, Episode 3. It's Friday night here in Shanghai and also in uh, uh, Taiwan and South Korea where uh, David and Clay Burrell are joining tonight. To talk about uh, passion for learning, how do you nurture and grow it? So it's glad to have uh, Clay here. You can find his blog at beyond-school.org and David Carpenter as usual at lessonslearned.edublogs.org. We are a day late. We were all scheduled to go yesterday and then Clay pointed out that it was Chinese New Year. And uh, Clay is, well Clay can tell us his story, but... We were all kind of busy, and it was fantastic, so we decided to go a day late, and uh, everything went well. I don't know how it was for you two. I'll let you tell your stories, but um, we went to Cambodia for three days and then came back because we are leaving Shanghai. We wanted to be here for the last Chinese New Year uh, in our apartment, and uh, it was freaking amazing. From the top, because we're right downtown, and uh, by about one o'clock, there was there was so much smoke that you couldn't actually see any more fireworks, and it went on all night. Like we tried to go to bed about one thirty, and uh, until yesterday, about mm, probably about four o'clock, it was still so loud, and uh, it's still going, but it's not as bad as it was. How about you, David? Well, I, I'm having trouble picturing that. When, when we lived in Hong Kong, a very controlled and orderly place, they would have their uh, fireworks down on the down on the water, and uh, millions of people would come out for that. But that was about it. We lived on the south side, and we never really ran into the fireworks at night. And now in Taipei, there was a there was a little bit. But what you're describing really sounds pretty in, incredible. Um, you know, well, this, especially this because smoke. here there's no organized there's not like an organized down at the river firecracker show it's just everybody has firecrackers and they're not little firecrackers you know they're like things you would see at a big show and we literally had them bouncing off our apartment we had one blow up we were out sitting up on the balcony and one blow up blow up right next to us 31 stories up and freaking it was just insane it was insane how about you clay well, it's funny hearing you talk about Shanghai because, for those who don't know, I was at Shanghai American for five years also with Jeff. And um, the fireworks in Shanghai aren't just a Chinese New Year thing. They're pretty much every day of the week, depending on <laughs> whether it's somebody's birthday or they're opening a new business or God knows what. Right, exactly. And um, and so I expected Korea to be the same thing on Chinese New Year or on Lunar New Year's, and it wasn't. There were no fireworks at all. I went to my uh, in-laws family my, my mother and father-in-law to be and my brothers-in-law and nieces and nephews to be and we did a traditional korean um ceremony celebration and they were all in their traditional silk 
and um, doing the Confucian thing, I had to I had to sit and bow and touch my head to the floor, kind of what the Chinese would call kotao or kotao, wow. to to my uh, grant to my father-in-law and mother-in-law as they sat on the floor in front of me and wished them a happy New Year in Korean, and uh, and it was all wonderful, really. Okay. Um, and then and then I got to sit being the husband to be of the oldest daughter and therefore the oldest well the oldest child of them and so my little nieces and nephews all like did that to me because i'm the guy right so in confucian terms that means that i've got the authority even though i'm marrying into the family and uh and so it was my honor to give them like 10 bucks each you know wow (laughs) as they bowed in front of me Uh, it was wonderful it was fun that's cool what an experience i mean that is a true authentic experience that's so cool yeah most definitely so cool. All right. So today's episode is uh, our essential question is uh, passion for learning how to nurture and grow. So, David, I'll let you kind of go maybe get us started and uh, maybe introduce Clay. And Clay's doing so many wonderful things in his classroom. And I know he's just started a new class because half his students are now following me on Twitter. So I want uh, I want to talk about what what you envision for that class and stuff, Clay. And I think that leads uh, right into our essential question. So Dave, why don't you go ahead and get us started and just kind of maybe frame today's show. Definitely. And uh, I'm really excited Clay's here with us tonight because I've been following his blog and we talk about shifting schools and that starts with shifting our classes. And Clay is definitely out there and willing to to try new things because he's He's so dedicated to helping his students learn and not letting the normal schooling get in the way is, I think, that's one of the way Clay describes it. I wanted to interject just my experiences with my fourth grader, and I put up a post on my blog that every night my my two boys come home from school and we just talk about what did you get excited about today and what did you learn. And, And just recently, my fourth grader, like I was saying, Maxwell, uh, was sharing a couple different things that he was doing. He, he became so excited and animated about a, a book that he's writing with some classmates, and they're on their third chapter, and they found another friend who was going to do the cover. He's a skilled artist, as Maxwell was telling me, and I go, okay, when is this due? And he goes, Dad, this, this isn't a school project. We're doing this because we like to write. I go, there oh. Go. Then, he, then he showed me a little ID card that he'd put together, and I'd had a thumbprint and his picture and a ID number and a, a symbol for the club that he was in. And I said, oh, this is an, another project that your, your teacher has you doing. He goes, no, this is a group of friends that we decided we wanted to have a club and have our own ID. So we, we did this after school one day. So all that passion and interest um, in creating something really came through and it really struck home for me of this young man, my son, was very, is very passionate about learning. and But in these two cases, it, it had nothing to do with school. So I think that kind of opens us up a little bit for Clay there that, um, like I said, I'm enjoying reading your blog and how you're, you're trying to get away from normal schooling. So, Clay, could you tell us a little, about, a little bit about what you're up to? Well, sure, and thanks for the nice words, David. First, um, I just typed in my little Skype chat window that I have open while you're talking that that what your story about your son and how your son is writing and creating and and working on on those traditional schooly language art skills outside of his homework assignments, outside of school, beyond school, to shamelessly self plug, um, is is such. A wonderful thing, and so I was talking to Dean Shrevsky about this recently. If we could get teachers to 
find a way to allow credit for that work in lieu of homework assignments that they do so that you know because right now your son is probably having to like find time after doing the homework that doesn't engage him as much to do the stuff that does engage him and he's not getting any credit for that so actually the homework's getting in the way of him being able to develop as a writer with passion so really interesting stuff the the the, the my question is how do i get teachers to say all right you know what you're doing something that's self-directed and project-based and it has to do with the skills i'm trying to teach okay i'll give you credit for that forget the homework i'm assigning yeah and i think it's it's you know it's trying to get teachers to think outside the box i you know i I've got a couple of projects that I'll talk about a little later um, that I'm trying to get. And it's not the administrators, what I'm finding. I'm finding that my administrators are on board and they're like, hey, look, if you can find a teacher that's willing to take this and run with it, uh, go ahead and try it. But trying to get teachers to think differently. And I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, there's so many ways to cover standards and curriculum that we've got to get out of this. We've got to get out of this doing things old ways type thing. You know, that's the way we've always done it. And think about how do we do things in new ways. You know, I'm thinking about the the Student 2.0 blog that Clay, you were a, a huge part of. I mean, that writing that is happening on that blog needs to be part of the grade of those students from all over the world. I mean, that is fantastic stuff that they are passionate about, that they're writing about, and they're probably not getting credit for. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So, yeah, I mean, that's it. So how do we get the teachers to say, okay, you get credit for that. That's real world, and I'm giving you credit for that instead of school world. Yeah. Um, I I have to say that I'm the head of the English department for my high school, and we just uh, started... School right, school wide blogging for the students uh, nine through twelve on WordPress MU, which is a different topic. I'm thinking of just dropping that all together and going to uh, WordPress.com, for example, not Learner Blogs, WordPress.com, because it seems to be faster and more reliable. <laughs> and because um, I did my Learner Blogs thing, and that was that was a headache. It was down so much of the time, and I know James is trying and all that, but I don't know. Once bitten, twice shy. Yeah. Um, but anyway, and even learner blogs. I mean, listen to that. Schooly. If it's your WordPress blog, then it's yours. And you don't leave it when you quit school and all that sort of thing. But I don't know what sort of issues you see in making that move. But, but I'm just so tired of having to, and Jeff, you posted about this a few months ago, about having to do the, the server administration and all that sort of thing for the yeah. WordPress install. That yeah. can really be time-consuming. It, it can be. It can be time-consuming. And it's, it's, again, you know, one of those things that I've written about quite a bit is that there needs to be, uh, you know, what I call an IT person and an ET person, somebody that's focused on that, that you know, instruction, that hardware side of things, and then somebody else whose job is to be more educationally focused. I'm lucky enough that at that uh, Shanghai, where I'm at now, that we have that. You know, we have somebody that's an IT guy, and then it allows me to be more educational. Now, that being said, I've helped to set up these programs, and I'm running a lot of them, and it does take a lot of time. The way we're selling it to our kids, though, is because we're using WordPress MU, it has a great export feature that allows you to export to other blogs. 
And so yeah. you can, you know, one-click export for a blogger or kids can set up their own blogs. And I've actually had two different kids who left our school last year. One's in Singapore now and the other one went to Jakarta who emailed me and figured out on their own how to export their blog posts from our school. They set up their own blogs and imported them in because they wanted to continue blogging. Even though there's not blogging at those schools, they wanted to continue on with the blogging that they were doing. And so yeah, that's and- and that's one thing that I like is because as a school, we can still control it and it can still become part of what's what we do in school but at the same time it allows especially your you know your juniors and seniors as they leave they can take that information with them and set up their own blog yeah it, the the only problem i've run into with that and i've told them you know just export and go to wordpress and import there or install your own or whatever is that um the feed if they and i, I tried to get them to create a feed on FeedBurner for their school blog and it didn't work a lot of times i don't yeah. know if that's a wordpress mu issue or what but know. um so so when they if they get subscribers and a lot of my students do have subscribers now yeah. from the real world if they get subscribers then they go through that whole okay now I've just moved my blog and lost all my readers type thing yeah but you know so why not just start them off on WordPress from the start uh, I I don't have a problem with that <laughs> I know a lot of schools that probably would um, what I've done but anyway, is, is after well I mean even after I had my talk with all of the high school kids, I mean, just this past week, I helped three three different high school kids uh, buy their own domains and set up their own website, which was fantastic. Yeah, you know? I and, mean, they're, and really, that's... they're really taking control of it. And again, this is outside of school, you know. And how well, do we and bring that? How do we bring that passion back? So why not? Why does it have to be outside of school? Why can't we? Why can't we just shift things by saying, okay, here's an option for you from the start. Yeah. Or or at any point along the way. If you want to self-host, if you take to this, that's part of it. And we'll, we'll show you the ropes on that because it's not rocket science. And, yeah. Um, yeah, we'll get you set. Because, well, boy, no. talk about engaged because then they're running their own blog. I mean, they've got their own website. Yeah. And I think it comes down to, I mean, it always comes down to training. And I have found a couple teachers um, willing to give it a try. And it, but it's I've had the time to sit with those teachers and have the conversations on doing things differently and making that shift. And part of the problem is we don't have the time to sit with teachers and actually talk through it. I mean, uh, we'll see how your experience is uh, next year, Clay, and your job. But, you know, for me, I'm K-12. I'm specifically supposed to be educational. And you know, I have something like 230-some teachers I'm trying to get around to. And without having professional development days that are keyed in to looking at some of these issues, I end up doing a lot of it one-on-one with teachers, which is fine because you need that one-on-one time. But at the same time, we're not going to see a large shift. We're going to see these individual shifts continue to happen, which I'm not saying is a bad thing, but... We're not going to see education shift on a large scale until we're giving devoted amount of time for a large scale shift. Well, maybe this is a difference because my school is one to one and Apple and all that, and they've got MacBooks, all the students. Um, <laughs> things, you know, how things sort of like evolve sort of organically, not by plan. Um, and going back to the unfinished comment I started a, a few minutes ago, I'm the English department head. Our English departments, 9 through 12, have all started classroom blogging as part of the writing slice of, of the student work in the English classes. And, uh, and so all the students have set up their blogs on WordPress, MU, and all that sort of thing. And the teachers have started blogging, too. And um, now, let's see. Hold on. And edit this out, please, because I have to stop and think where I was going with this. Well, um, 
Let me jump. Let me jump in and let you think on the back burner on that one. Okay. Bring uh, here. I've got kind of two questions. One deals with we talk about these learning-centered classrooms. We're all learners in the classroom, and we want students to drive what they want to what they want to write about to some degree and follow their passions and whatever their questions are about. Um, to say that sounds really good, but to do it is a whole different matter. And I'm just wondering. How has it gone for you in your class when you when you've set up certain kind of parameters? I suspect are pretty wide, and said, I, "Go and pursue these." But here are some check-in points that you're need, going to need to come back and show me evidence and things like that. How has that gone um, in in seeing students go? Yes, I'm excited about that. And then two weeks later, they're showing evidence that they have followed through on whatever they were excited about. How how's that been going for you? Okay, well, I'll, I, I got what I wanted to say earlier. The, okay. the, the English teachers, because, you know, I mean, 9 through 12, every student takes an English class. So English is the way to sort of at least get the students all blogging and all that sort of thing. And then I'm only dealing with the English teachers, and I'm department head, so I can do that. And they are thinking outside of the box. I mean, they're doing it, and uh, and they're excited about it and all that. So um, we're we're experimenting with all sorts of things. Um, and and here's the thing that was just kind of the organic sort of surprise thing. Um, they've all got Skype accounts, and so do a lot of the students. So now whenever there's a problem on the blog, the students or the teachers just Skype me instantly and say I'm having a problem. And, uh, you know, the server's down or my blog doesn't work or whatever. And and I'm sitting in my classroom on Skype troubleshooting and fixing them in real time, and that's, that's all really fun and easy. Um, but as far as... Um, Students and getting them excited. I'll start with a success story, and then I'll move on to the uh, depressing rule <laughs> as a contrast. The success story is this: one of uh, one of our students had a, a social studies assignment to interview somebody about being a minority in Korea, and he decided to interview me. And I had him last year. He's a sophomore now, and so he uh, he called me on Skype at night and interviewed me, and we talked for about thirty minutes. You know, I just I answered his questions, and he recorded it all for a podcast. And then he said, "Okay, well, thank you, Mr. Burrell. I'm going to turn off my call recorder now." Um, and and he did, and he said, "But I have another question off the record. Can I ask you about Apple Remote Desktop?" Yeah, and you know that's the the teachers can see yeah, right. what's on the desktop of every student and control lock it down, bust them, go into their files, everything, right? Yeah. So, um, so he said, "Can I ask you about Apple Remote Desktop? Because I'm hearing that we're about to install that on all the students' computers in class." And and when I heard that, I clicked record on my call recorder because I was like the the, the knucklehead. He has a a scoop on his hands here. Because every student in the high school wants to know about this Apple Remote Desktop thing that they're hearing about through the rumor mill. And, uh, and here he is interviewing the guy that can give the answers. So I, re- I recorded the conversation and, um, and then sent him the file and said, Patrick, podcast this on your blog for your English class. And, um, you know, edit it, make it professional quality. And whenever anybody asks, how does Apple Desktop work and how can we get around teachers invading our privacy and all that sort of thing, I will say, go to Patrick Nam's blog and listen to the podcast. And sure enough, he did. And um, and he, he made a great professional quality qu- podcast with you know intro, good editing, music, all that sort of thing on GarageBand, mm-hmm. and and he wrote a post about it, and and I announced on the uh, morning announcements 
any students wondering how to keep teachers from invading your privacy on your MacBook, go to Patrick's student blog. I didn't say student blog. I said just go to Patrick's blog, gave right. the address, and said listen to the podcast. And so um, that was one of those wonderful, unexpected things that – and sure enough, all the students did go and listen to his podcast. Um, and they saw modeling of what a blog can be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's multimedia. It's, it's written about something relevant that readers want to come to. Um, he invited people to comment at the end about his his thoughts on the whole thing. The principal came in and commented on his blog, saying you got some things wrong here and, and all sort of things. So, so that's the success story. That's how to get engagement. Mm-hmm. I think. And, and, and well, and, and engagement, but engagement beyond that student, right? I mean, you had engagement at a school level. You had the principal coming back and say, well, actually, these these facts are wrong or these school policies are wrong, you know. And so you have a conversation that started that goes right. beyond that kid, beyond that podcast, and is now affecting what's happening within the school. Exactly right. Yeah. Right. So it's all authentic and it's all real. And for because the, the school-wide blogging thing is only, you know, three weeks old or so. And beyond that, our laptop school is only, you know, it's it's one semester old, so kids haven't learned how to make quality podcasts on GarageBand. They haven't learned how to blog well, right. all that sort of thing. So, so just that as as sort of a you know, without even realizing it, they're learning what a good post and a good podcast is, and seeing the possibilities that they can do themselves. Because they look at GarageBand and they're just like, yeah, okay, whatever, right? Right. They don't see the potential for for doing quality stuff. Um, so this is this is a great way, instead of the teacher standing up and trying to talk at them about that, for them to just see it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Now, um, so if that's the, the exception, the rule right now is this. <sighs> Where do I even go? With? Oh, okay. Um, it's not only teachers who can't think outside the box, it's students too, because they've been trained by the time they hit high school for 10, 11, 12 years on how to memorize stuff and take a test or else write some sort of canned five-paragraph essay based on teacher, teacher prompt um, and, and make an A. So they're really good at making A's, doing all sorts of stuff that has very little to do with learning and, and everything to do with making a grade. And so it's safe, and it feels good because the successful students are like, man, I'm an, I'm an A-plus student. I got a 4.0. I know how to do this game. Yeah. When you ask them instead to be free, to find their own ideas, they don't know what to create to do. their own projects, they don't know what to do. Yeah. And, and so that is you know, how to create passionate users. Well, I'm kind of stumped right now. My, my latest project in this elective class is for them to create their own project. And... Um, keep telling me what their grade should be every month and justify it by showing me what they've done, tried, failed to do, succeeded at, and um, what they've learned about working on Twitter and um, trying to find, you know, to network with people to mm-hmm. to help them with their projects. And that doesn't mean teach them. That means, you know, say something as simple as, yeah, I got a high school student I can hook you up with, and, and, and that person's done their work because now my student's talking to a high school student in some other country about their project. And so would you say would you say that we basically we teach the passion out of the, out of our kids? Uh, I, I th- we pe- yeah. What? Well, I mean, and it all goes back to the Ken. Um, what's his name? Sir Ken Robertson. Is that his name? What's his I name? I don't know. Yeah, you know the TED Talk guy. Everybody was. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think so. I don't know. I don't but. 
I think by the time they hit high school, yeah, they've had that creativity and that, that curiosity beaten out of them. And, and anything associated with school is something that they don't want to spend time on. So give me something that I can do quickly so that I can then, like, you know, switch off and play my video games or, or whatever. So uh, my latest theory is this, really. By the time they hit high school, in most cases, it's probably too late. And that's really pessimistic. But I think that, that elementary and middle school are the places to get them on fire. And yes. then, and then the high school, by that time, hopefully the high school teachers will, will have caught on to, um, yeah, and that's a sad thing, but it's kind of ironic that you're asking me how to create passionate users because I feel like a failure most of the time, despite everything that I try. Yeah, I agree. You know, and, and one thing that I think I've had an opportunity to do that, that's been uh, that I'm going to miss next year just being in the elementary but I'm I'm glad I'm going to be elementary in Bangkok next year just because I agree I think we need to we need to start at that level you know because I'm finding the same thing by the high school by high school the kids are so geared towards knowing how the system works and running the system that they also don't want to take risks now that being said risks within the school system you know they're willing to take risks on their own time they're willing to go home and and you know fire up facebook or do whatever they want to do they're willing to take risks there they're not willing to take risks anymore in the classroom so what i've found is is fourth and fifth grade seem to be a fantastic grade to really start allowing kids to explore this and i've been lucky enough that uh, you know, at Shanghai American School, we started with our laptop program in fifth grade and got those teachers on board early. And we're in our second year now where every fifth grader has a blog and kids are creating their own rubrics. They're creating their own podcasts. They're creating their own videos. Some of the kids have been linked to um, other websites have linked to them. Other blogs have linked to them based on something that they've written. And we're starting to build that up. And then, of course, as those kids are starting to move into the middle school, we have teachers there now that are seeing that, you know, the kid already has the blog. The kid already knows how to log into the blog. The kid already knows how to write at a fifth grade or, you know, fifth, fourth grade level. And we continue to develop those skills and allow the kid to write for something other than school. And that's become that's become the issue with a lot of my teachers in the middle school is it's okay the blog is not a place for you to give an assignment for the kid to go home and write on their blog the blog is a place for the kid to reflect where they can write about their chinese new year experience where they go on vacation and they get to upload personal pictures you know of going to hong kong or going to taiwan or going wherever they go and all of that is part of the learning process and getting to that point, and I think you're right, Clay. I mean, we've got to start this early, and we've got to start this, you know, way before we get going, you know, in high school. Because by the time we get to high school, the kids are too, they, like you said, they're, they know how to get an A, or they know what they need to do to pass, and that's what they're willing to do. Right. Yeah, it's going to be, a, it's going to be exciting for you, Jeff, to get back, well, totally uh, in the elementary. Uh, my wife and I made this shift six years ago when we went to uh, Hong Kong International School to the elementary. And just like you said, fourth and fifth grade, it's, it's a phenomenal time for building on what the kids want to do. And, and when I look at this, Clay, one of the themes that runs through our overall essential question is how to make the shift is one side of it is where you're coming from. Let's go out outside of our normal thinking and, and, and draw from where these kids are 
and in, in what you're describing is we've got to help them find what their interests are sometime, and we've got to shake away some of this old way of thinking that's so embedded. And then the other way, other side that we've been discussing is how to use the system to our advantage. And next year, whatever term you use for your new title, learning specialist, instructional technologist, um, I would invite you to, to look at how your school develops their curriculum and that would be the place to work within the system to try to make people make that shift. One of the exciting things about elementary school as a parent and then as a teacher was how it just naturally flowed into laterality, that students would be, especially if you've, if you've really written good units, you have a central concept like interdependence, and you're going you're gonna to cover it in science, you're going you're gonna to read books about it in language arts, you're going to write about it, you're going to do uh, math problems. But once we start, as we all know, you start moving into middle school, you get a, a little bit of that, but then we get into the departmental nature of high school and it all breaks down into these separate roadways and the connectivity stops. And that's another one of our themes we all write about on our blogs is connectivity. So I'll be excited next year when you're in that role of trying to work within your school, um, maybe from both of these angles to uh, help shift your, your teachers along. Uh, well, I'm I'm eager to see how it all plays out too. And one of the you know, Jeff, it sounds like you've gone through this quite a bit at Shanghai, and it's something that I think I'm going to be going through next year. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to predict because obviously I don't know. But okay, so so now you make the shift, and it's your job to actually make a difference in all the classrooms instead of just your own, and to save computers from the teachers. Yeah, <laughs> for the students' sake, right? right yeah, <laughs> um, and um, so you know, I made my job proposal for my administrator, and I said, "This is," I said, "I don't want to be a part of a school that's going to fail as a one-to-one school." I so if if that's what's going to happen, then just tell me now, and and I'll say thank you for everything. It's been wonderful, but it's time for me to leave. Yeah, um, because I want to. I want to make a difference. And you know what? You know, I do know I'm going to die one day, and and I don't. I don't have a lot of years to waste. I'm 45, and yeah. um, so, um, and and things were said that made me think that there was that it was worth signing for another year next year. And so here's here's what I proposed as far as training teachers and. You know, administrators are like they're afraid of making teachers quit because they yeah. push too hard, and I'm yeah. afraid of um, making students quit and one-to-one laptop schools fail because they don't push them hard enough. Um, so, so my my here was my proposal: it's like, look, you've got your early adopters and your risk takers and your you know just the ones who are there and they're ready, right? right? So identify them and and. Let me have one-to-one time because at Shanghai I was a team teacher, right? With with right. language arts and history teachers, I was in the classroom teaching with with the core content teachers as an ESL specialist. Yeah. So so let me plan units with them before, during, and after, and um, and and so that would be like the first third of the year. Those would be the ones, um, and let them do their thing. I'll be supporting through the unit. I'll be doing most of the tech stuff if they need me to. Yada yada. Um, second third of the year, those teachers who are sort of borderline, like I'm willing but I'm a little scared, they've seen the successes of the first third of the year with the early adopters, the go-getters, and so work with them. And then at the end of the year, those are the ones who are like, no way in hell. You know, I'd rather boil in Crisco than try to do anything on a computer. Right. 
um, save those for the end of the year and uh, and that sort of thing. So so I'm happy with that, and I think that's realistic. Now, whether that actually is part of my job next year is where I'm concerned because yeah. it's easy enough for an administrator to say yes, but then if the principal, we got a new principal coming in in the high school, if the principal comes in and he's not comfortable with that, then then what am I going to be doing next year? You know, so that's that's my concern. Yeah. Um, but really, I, I mean, that's that's just where I think it has to go. Yeah, and here's some things that I've learned. You know, especially this year. You know, we handed out a hundred laptops to to teachers last year, and um, what we did is we made it part of what you have to do to get a laptop. So each month. Every teacher that got a laptop, which basically think of those as your early adopters because everybody could opt in or opt out of getting a laptop. So these people obviously opt in. And uh, so what we said is, okay, you are required on a uh, monthly basis to go to two training sessions. You know, And we started off in September with how to connect to the school's wireless, how to log into – um, you know, the network drives. I mean, you started out really basic stuff and you're going to need to because even your early adopters, you know, they're people that are eager and they're your risk takers, but they might not have the skills. And so you're still going to have to remember to start, you know, at, at a basic level. Um, but what we found has happened over the last couple months is that, again, this training was an add-on session, that they were after-school sessions. You know, you had to attend these after-school sessions. And you both know how it works in international schools where, you know, you were doing an after-school activity or yeah. you're coaching or there's yeah. enough there's enough uh, meetings going on that you can never make it. Right. And it just becomes something else that's added on to the school day. And as long as we continue to look at it, at technology, is something that is added on and the right. professional development is going to be added on. It's not going to make those changes you're talking about. Now, last year, I had the opportunity that the fifth grade team and I went to the elementary principal and we said, we want one day. We want you to bring in a sub and we want one day of school time to talk about technology. And that one day, that six hours where I got to sit with teachers within the school day where they had nothing else they had to do, there were no after-school activities, there were no meetings, their job that day was to learn, sat with me for six hours, that day is still talked about. And that was over a year ago now. And that day saved me so much on the technical side of things and got them jump-started with blogging and podcasting and doing digital storytelling, and they've, and they've taken it off. I mean, every one of our fifth graders this year has an RSS reader. I mean, that's just, just crazy. I mean, I don't yeah, know well. very many other schools that have that. But, but it was because I was given the time with those teachers within the school day. And that's something that I think, you know, any administrators out there that's, that's listening, you know, that is something that you can, you can totally give your teachers. You, you know, just go, go to a uh, staff meeting and say, look, if you can get together four or five teachers and you want to spend a day with Clay or spend a day with Jeff or spend a day with David, just learning. Where your job that day is to learn. Learn how technology is affecting your curriculum, your standards, and your kids. We will support that, and we will give you a sub for that day. If you can find administrators that will do that in a school that believes that strongly, that learning technology for a teacher can be part of what they do for the school day, that's where you're going to see the change. That's where you get the buy-in. As long as it's an after-school PD session, I'm telling you, it'll fall off. 
just because you, I mean you guys know how it is somebody you know I teach I you know I coach basketball well I can't make a Tuesday Thursday after school session or I can't make a Wednesday after school session and right. then we have a department meeting and so I can't make it and it continues to just go on through the school year. It has to be part of what we do. It has to be part of the school day. It has to be built into the school day. That's when you affect real change. Because teachers then also see that this is something of importance if I have been given the time with a sub to sit and learn. That means a lot to teachers. Well, something that came up with, uh, with our plan for next year is that and I didn't come up with this, Anthony Armstrong, who is the only teacher at my school that started blogging besides me. Um, and he's done some pretty cool stuff in the middle school. He he and I have been advising the, the administration on how to do training next year. And he, his proposal was this, and I think it's a good one. He said, make all the teachers blog. <laughs> Once a month, they've got to make a post. Um, reflecting on their practice, yada, yada and layer it and and subscribing to other people's other teachers blogs and um and then add an additional thing you know every every new post they've got to put a picture in and link to somebody else they've got to do a short film and and embed it on their podcast or on their on their movie they've got a podcast all that sort of thing so that by the end of the year it's part of their life and that, so that's that's an interesting idea, and again, it gets that same sort of resistance from the administrators. Oh, but that's going to scare the teachers off. And I'm like, well, those are the ones that we want to scare off. Right, exactly. Those are the ones we don't want in our school anyway. Well, and you know, the nice thing is, is that we we had those teachers that you know started embracing this technology last year. Like I said, the fifth grade, the fifth grade teachers, and now those kids are rolled into the middle school, and they're actually pushing the teachers to get there. And at the same time, at our school, we went from just a regular evaluation system where you could this year opt into a new system, a new portfolio system. And a couple of the teachers that are blogging within the school system asked if their portfolio could be their blog and have done exactly what you idea. said. You That's know, they've said they've got their blog where their kids visit, but they just created a page that they are basically have a running portfolio of their reflections of lessons of everything that's going on on their blog i mean parents can see it kids can see it administrators can see it and for those i think that i know of three teachers that are doing that it's been a fantastic experience for them it's been fantastic but yeah, you know, actually, they've done was, it on their was, own that was anthony's suggestion that that their blogs be part of their their formal evaluation thing you know if you're doing that then then that is just a way for the the principal, and again, it's a one-to-one school, so this is not like asking something unreasonable. Right. Um, that's part of your evaluation, you know. Yeah. No, no, Clay, let me ask because uh, I'm going to put a lot of this in the show notes. These are these are very useful ideas that I've seen used at other schools, and I like uh, Clay. It makes a lot of sense that you you start off with your early adopters and kind of work along the continuum. And, and Jeff, we learned the same thing at HCash. You've you've got to make whatever we're doing. In instructional technology, whether it's on the technical side or whether it's on how we design our instruction or assessment, uh, real and important and validated. And the way to do that is to say this is going to take place during the school day. So that's that's very powerful. And this last one, and I've not heard of that one yet. The idea of what you're saying is, hey, <clears throat> you get double duty out of this one if you're doing these uh, portfolios. Just use your blog as. And, and do it that way because I think there are going to be more and more schools that are going to be changing their performance appraisal system. I know HKS is really on the bleeding edge with that, and, a, and there's a lot of documentation that's going on. And it's become a bureaucracy, and 
And for a lot of people, it's another barrier towards, hey, I just want to become a better teacher and I want to be a part of a learning community. And if you make it as simple as, as a blog, and at the same time you're saying, oh, at our school, everyone has to send a newsletter home every week. Well, I can just do it through my blog and make it a triple winner. So I, I think the more, um, and Clay, I, I don't think it would work for your administration, even if they made the decision to tell everyone to blog, to do it. Uh, Tim Tyson, and we spoke about this uh, on our last podcast, he was doing a presentation at the Christina McAuliffe uh, Conference in New Hampshire, in the bit-by-bit podcast uh, blog podcast they had it up and he talked about how he went with his school in Georgia Mabry um, Elementary School and slowly brought on the early adapters with blogging but it, as, as you'll see next year in your job it, it's kind of like you're a farmer once you plant those seeds and they start to blossom other people are going to say well, maybe I should try that not everyone but you'll get a few more that way and before you, before you know it you will get to a, a tipping point if you get those administrators backing you up and if you get them blogging as well. So yeah. I, I would throw that into the to the mix. But I, I do want to bring us back to um, the passion. Um, our podcast, we're going to always hit on, hopefully hit on, what's going to help us shift our school. I think we just hit on three really powerful items that are going to help us do that. But I'm wondering if we can just chat a little bit more about... <clears throat> Let's pretend like we're fifth grade teachers or we're working with fifth grade teachers. What can we do besides, say, blog or next time you're doing a project, let's set up a wiki and let your, your kids collaborate with uh, some, some kids doing the flat classroom project around the world. What are some other ideas that, that you all might have? Well, um, This one's really interesting to me. The my biggest success at creating passionate learners is students 2.0, and that mm-hmm. is students around the world who are not in my classroom, and that is mm-hmm. one of the greatest ironies uh, of my teaching life. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it for grades; they're doing it because they've got things to say and they like to write and all that sort of thing. Um, and I, I I would bet money that they put more work into their their students 2.0 blogging than they do for half their schoolwork. Um, Can you give us some background on what that is? Because y'all have mentioned it, but I had not heard of it. Oh, it's... What, what, um, what led to this event? Um, gosh, back in the summer, there, Carl Fish and some people were talking about bringing students onto the stage for neck for 15 minutes. And I posted saying, that's, that's in all due respect, tokenism. Because 15 minutes of, of students being like, welcomed as equals in discussions about education is nothing compared to the fact that we have educators around the world all blogging about education but nobody's done the work to bring the students in and give them an equal voice that that other edu bloggers um, read and respond to and all that sort of thing and take seriously instead of you know um, condescending to leading you know let them let them be independent let them communicate give them an equal voice and so that was back in the summer and um and so i kept on writing on my blog saying somebody should do this somebody should make a student blog and we should elevate student voices in the edge of blogosphere blah 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 and um and of course you know nobody did and then i was lucky enough to learn the piece that i needed in order to be able to do it myself which is how to self-host and so mm-hmm. I, I i changed blog uh, beyond school from blogger to my own host and um and learned how easy it is to administer a blog 
on a server to host. And um, and so once that was done, then it was easy enough to say, okay, now I know how to make a blog. And and Scott McLeod's leader talk is the sort of model I envision for for a, a student learner talk type thing. And so I bought the students to URL and um, and installed the WordPress. And then I I got on Twitter and asked teachers in my network to recommend good student bloggers. Mm-hmm. And Sylvia Martinez and Diane Cordell and uh, Carolyn Foote, mm, Bud Hunt, a few people um, threw some names my way. And uh, and so I sent emails to those students and invited them in. And, and from there, um, then we did this really amazing thing. Arthas Aria made a, a badge. Uh, we, we got into marketing. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I posted on my blog, uh, you know, help spread the splash students finally we're going to elevate student voices it's happening in three days so get this badge embedded on your blog um and um and save the blog to delicious and um and so a lot of people embedded the students 2.0 badge it was a countdown badge that arthas designed and arthas is a freshman in vermont um that said you know uh, students 2.0 launches in three days the silent majority speaks up and then the next day is in two days and the next day in one day and so it had a countdown thing coded into it and so um, and he made a splash page that was beautiful he designed it himself the code the whole bit because he's a web designer and um, and so on that day we were on the day of launch um, we all got on Twitter and said everybody save the students 2.0 site to delicious let's put it on the on the delicious hot list and um, and then we watched over three hours as it as it hit the delicious um, popular page and then climbed up it and then finally made the hot list. And because of that, they had like more subscribers than I have after a year of blogging um, on their blog <laughs> before their first post. And uh, and now students2o.org, it's students2oh.org, um, has over 600 subscribers. They get more visits per day than I do. And um, and it's students from Scotland, Hawaii, Vermont, St. Louis, Chicago, Korea, um, and and more coming because we're we're growing the list of writers. Um, uh, Dylan from from Washington. So yeah, it's it's just like Learner Talk. It's a different post um, from a different student. It's a group blog, and they're writing about education from the student perspective. And it's young. It's only that happened on December tenth, and mm-hmm. um, and so you know now we've got growing pains like how to manage this and and now that the splash has died off you know how come some of you haven't written a post for the past month this sort of mm-hmm. thing but that's you know it's to be expected it's no big deal we'll work through it yeah well and that's also part of the learning process right i mean yeah just exactly. hearing you talk about it you know you had to you talked about mark i mean how many how many hits did they get on that first day because i i remember i mean i re, i read because i think they released a blog post an hour or every couple hours yeah, something like that. Because yeah. I know I ended up visiting the blog like three different times the first day, so I'm sure well, they, the hits they had the first day had to be outrageous. They're okay. I get maybe six thousand visits a month. They have like over twenty thousand in uh, two months. Wow. Um. So yeah, it, it is amazing. Yeah. Um. So, but anyway, so getting back to it, um, how do we transfer that into the classroom? Mm-hmm. And and here's. And this is why I'm so excited about the PLN class that I'm doing, which, by the way, is an elective, and that's crucial because curriculum gets in the way, too. If, right. if we're teaching to tests and memorizing stuff so that you can pass an AP Lit exam and you know what a synecdoche, synecdoche is, you know, then 
then it's really hard to do any sort of project-based learning that is self-directed. So in this PLN class, um, I've got 10 students, and it's an English class, but it's an elective. So there's no prescribed curriculum. There's no test of, of stuff they have to memorize in order to pass, but they do have to, it's an English class, so they have to write, they have to read, they have to speak, and do all those, and, and then symbolically communicate, you know, visual communication. So, in other words, ideal for a blog. And, um, and so, I was inducted into Apple Distinguished Educators back in December in Bangkok, and at the ADE Institute, we um, the way they structured it was really uh, interesting because they they walked us through a process where we developed our own project idea, and then we found other people who would want to collaborate with us in that idea in a room full of sixty educators, and so I just replicated that in this classroom of ten and had them all like um, go through the process to define their own project, and they did, and. Um, so I've got two kids who want to do a, at, at first they wanted to do a basketball thing where it was um, they wanted to interview NBA players for their blog you know right that's yeah. possible <laughs> um, and then uh, another one uh, another three wanted to do YouTube political satire videos okay there's a lot of potential there we can go with that one that's doable unlike the NBA um, one independent kid didn't want to do a group thing he decided to do a solo thing about racial stereotypes and, and minority experiences around the world and then finally the other group is a bar and restaurant design I've got a senior who wants to start a bar and he wants it to be you know impressive um, an interior and all that sort of thing So, and he pulled three other students into that and, cool. um, and so that's what their semester of work is going to be they've got six months to to develop a project and um, produce content on their blog about their project every week. But here's the part that's exciting. They all signed up on Twitter. They all follow, and Jeff, you know, they, they followed you because they followed everybody that I follow. Right. So they went, they went to my page and they followed 250, 300 people and, um, and they put on their Twitter account page, you know, I'm a student in, in at C. Burrell's PLN class. And, um, you know, follow if you want to help. And um, and so they all got, you know, 40, 50, 60 people who did follow them. And that's natural and that's good. We don't want 300 people to follow if they don't want to, to participate or contribute. Right. And, um, and so they've defined what they want to learn. They know they have to write about something or podcast about it in an interview on Skype that they record and edit in GarageBand or do a film or all of the above every week. And... Instead of me teaching them how to do all that stuff, um, and I put a couple of links on the Skype chat for you, um, people from the PLN network have come in. Elizabeth Helfand from uh, St. Louis for the basketball kids, who, by the way, changed their project because they learned that, yeah, this is not very realistic. And because they didn't get it, they were just going through the motions, and they inwardly hated everything I was doing. Yeah. But then when I helped them find the idea that, you know what? what you're saying so far is impossible but if you think about it there are high school students around the world who play basketball and are really good and who college scouts want to find and know about if you make a website about them where instead of interviewing Shaquille O'Neal you're interviewing 
the future Shaquille O'Neal's, right. possibly from high schools around the world. They'll be interested in that. They will contact you. They will get on Skype. They could send you um, highlight videos of their best moments of their, of their games, and you can write about that and be a sports journalist, right? There you go. Um, so Elizabeth Helfen has been great. She So I got out of the way, and people in my Twitter network based on the project that they think they can help with, are directly tweeting and emailing and blogging in comments with my students and saying, yeah, Elizabeth Helfand hooked Yoon Suk and, and Jeho up with uh, some basketball players at her school and some graduates who went on to play college basketball at like UCLA, another guy who is now a Sports Illustrated journalist, and he's going to give time because he knows Elizabeth. That's network learning. Yeah. And... Um, and Scott Schwister from Minneapolis, um, wonderful blogger, he came in with photos of uh, or, or with a bar that he wanted to offer as a feature article possibility um, that Prince made famous in his film Purple Rain. And it's in Minneapolis where Scott lives, and Scott knows the owner and all that sort of thing. So he, he Skyped in video conference with the four students for the bar and restaurant design class and gave them links and contact info, and he's going to take pictures and send them. So um, that's... That's how I see passion being creatable in the classroom. It's it's the Twitter. It's the people out there. Because you know what? I I talk to my students, 2.0 kids, all the time on Skype about life in general. And I'm not being a teacher. I'm just being an adult who likes inquiring young minds and all that sort of thing. So we have real relationships. And, yeah, we talk about all sorts of stuff that you could call teaching and learning. But it's really just, you know, it's really just conversing yeah and you know skype skype is one of those tools that i think could be a killer app that gets overlooked sometimes i totally agree skype is is freaking amazing i mean uh, jeff whipple just tweeted and said he's listening so i know but like just last night he he was showing some of their teacher how skype worked and he just Skyped me real quick and said, hey, I was just showing this teacher how you can call free all over the world. And so I chatted with him for a little bit. And and every time I do that, it still is amazing to me. Like I'll be talking to Clarence Fisher and we talk every once in a while. Well, actually, we never talk. We just always chat, which is kind of weird. But that's what we do. Yeah. And uh, But we'll send files back and forth. And, you know, we'll send a one megabyte file from Shanghai, China to nowhere, Canada. And... It takes, you know, a couple seconds. And every time that happens, in real time, every time that happens, it, it's just crazy. And it's such a wonderful tool for connecting people and having discussions. And Well, you know, and the, the problem is this, though, and maybe you have the solution. If you have iChat, you can record iChat, and, and, and iChat is set up so that, you know, the Apple com- records the conversation. And then you can edit it in GarageBand. It's all very easy. But Skype, there's no recording function. I know there are some free ones, but I haven't had much success with them. So I use a call recorder from ecamm.com um, or something. Hmm. And and it's like a $12 download. And it's great, but you know, it's just one more hurdle to tell students, okay, you got to cough up 12 bucks to get this so you can co- podcast from your Skype conversation. Right. Um, do you know of any free call recorder for Skype that that does the job well i'm doing it right now so but this is on a windows machine and i'm able to i'm recording all of this on audacity and streaming it live both my voice and you guys 
So I know how to do it on a on a Windows, and it's all free. I don't know how to do it on a Mac, but we'll throw that out there. If anybody listening or listens to this knows how to do that on a Mac, uh, send Clay a comment or leave a comment on uh, on this podcast, and we'll uh, we'll figure out how to. There's got to be a way. There's got to be some kind of program that allows. I can't believe they still haven't put it into. Uh, Skype. I can't believe they yeah. haven't added that functionality into Skype. Just one click recording, you know, two way conversation. But maybe it's not doable. I don't know. What but do here's know? the thing. I, I just I want to because I love I love seeing what's happening and I love being having the freedom to do this in this one to one classroom. That's an elective, so I'm not constrained by, you know, the stuff that I have to make them memorize. Um, <laughs> trying to show them and and. Uh, Barry Bockenheimer left a comment on an open thread I just did about the value of your high school years. And, and Barry, uh, and my answer was not very valuable. And Barry came in and said, my high school years were very valuable. And he said, and, and I have a question. Do you think that, that um, technology in any way will help students learn better than I learned when I was in high school without it? And I said, yes, I do. Because students today can find out that the world is their classroom and the world is their teachers and that they can collaborate with people everywhere if teachers can show them that. And that's what I'm doing in this elective class through Twitter, through Skype. And so, but getting students to learn that, getting students to see the incredible power that they can take outside of school into their future where they're networking with people around the world to make things happen that they're interested in, where they have a skill set that will make them valuable in any group they join professionally or educationally. You know, hey, I can set up the, you know, I can set up the blog. I can do the podcast for this. I can do the marketing. I can go on Twitter and network with people, blah, 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 right? Um, so, so getting them to see that is really hard, and it's fun to make to try. And here's here's just my latest metaphor. It's gymnastic, and this goes back to what you were saying, Jeff. Gymnastic. We're like trapeze artists, and we go onto Twitter, and we see somebody on Twitter, and we're like, "Oh, hey, you got a minute? You want to talk?" And they say yes. So you let go of that bar, and you jump over to Skype, and then they come on Skype, and um, and so you start swinging on the Skype trapeze for a while, and you and you say, "Hey, you want to talk?" And they say yes, and so suddenly you're talking, and you hit record on your call recorder, and and then you're finished with the talk, and you pull it in a Garage Band jump over to that bar on the trapeze and suddenly you're, you're editing it for a podcast and then you jump off of that one and you put it on your blog and you say okay here's our podcast what are your comments and suddenly you're on the blog trapeze right and right. people start commenting there and and that is all so powerful if the students can just get how easy it is to swing from bar to bar yeah and you know here's the thing our, our kids know networking, right? Our kids are so dialed into Facebook and a lot of different ways that they network. You know, MSN chat is so popular. They understand networking on their level. They don't know how to harness it yet in a learning platform. And I think that's because we haven't taught them. You know, what I have found is as soon as, um, the same as you, Clay, as soon as you show them how you can use these same type of connections in a way to learn or in a way to do a creative project, they can pick up on it. They just never been taught and have never thought about it in that way. And, and I, I think, think that's, that, that, that's, that's an interesting would, issue. Well, I, and I would stay away from the, the word learn because when they hear learn, they hear school, you know. That's true. But, but create, that's a way you can create. That's a way you can do cool stuff, you know, Yeah. Well, project. Well, take, and take it back to the elementary school and we look at uh, what students that as IT people, we only need to teach them a little bit because they're going to go much further than we do in just teaching them the different types of software that we normally use. 
as more and more of our uh, schools shift in the elementary school and they begin to learn about how they can connect to other uh, students and adults around the world, the more that they will pick up and they'll adapt their their social uh, networks that they've been using just to connect socially to become learning networks as well. I think that's just going to happen naturally if we just we hit them early and uh, we give them enough skills as both of you are pointing out I think Jeff I think we need to bring it to the uh, blog post of the week but Clay I want to kind of do a quick uh, reverse to where we started at the beginning you were wondering how, how how you were doing and trying to bring out the passion in, in your students and, and I'm one now I have to say I think the things you've done are really incredible and now you've got them out on your blog and you've just taught me about this student 2.0 and I checked out the site and and that's something I want to get involved in with my students um, but these are very uh, tangible things that you're doing and you're sharing them through this podcast and I know you're connected all over the world with Twitter so I'm very appreciative of, of what of what you're doing um, jumping a bit to the the blog post of the week I did uh, want to share one that I'd found and one of you mentioned earlier uh, brains on fire and I found this it's, it was put together by a homeschooler a site called brains on fire hearts on fire igniting passionate learners and courageous being and what this one person in, in uh, it looks like a, a collaboration team put together was the acronym EPIC and their, the way they worked with their kids in, in the, their homeschool network was through the idea of exposure, the E, helping students find that information, helping provide as much stimulation as you can, helping them, uh, P, build patterns, uh, making sense of the information, and then connecting one, one bit of information to another uh, bit of information. Inquiry, which is something, uh, Clay, you've hit a lot on tonight. Letting them follow whatever their their interests are. uh, And then C is contribute. And I would change that a little bit more um, and add in creativity, where, as we always say, with learning and as we move up um, uh, uh, Bloom's taxonomy to the highest level where we produce uh, and, and we share our creativity. So that's that will go up into our delicious account. But that's my blog post for our show. Jeff, right. do you have one? Yeah, I do. And you know, I'll just I'll just wrap it up with a couple a couple things here. You know, one of the things that I keep coming back to with what Clay was talking is that he's been able to do this stuff because it is, you know, an elective class where curriculum has has moved to the side. And we talked about this last week and it's going to come up again over and over in these podcasts on we have to get to a deeper level within our curriculum if we want this stuff to change. And we need to keep remembering that and we need to keep harping on it because that's the only way I see any of this stuff happening. And I'll stop with that. Anyway, so what I've written for just little bullet points is that learning or creating for clay uh, needs to have it needs to have meaning for our learners and it also has to be authentic our kids expect learning to be authentic these days it's on YouTube it's in Facebook their world is authentic they're so tied in that the learning we do in the classroom has to be authentic if it's not we're going to lose them and the Google Doc just flipped on me so give me a second I'll get back up to where I was alright there we go and my blog my blog uh, for this, and I don't have a blog post. I have a blog that everybody needs to go and read, and that blog is Rushhead. 
I did it again. You must be playing with the Google Doc, uh, David. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing evil <laughs> things over here. That's all right. All right, let the, me let me. That's all right. The, the blog is is headrush.typepad.com, and it's called Creating Passionate Users Blog, and it's no longer being written because of some things that happened on the blog, but I do encourage everybody to go there and just start looking back at some of the past posts because there's some fantastic uh, pictures and some fantastic writing about how do you create passionate users. And they're talking about creating users on blogs, but I think it goes into how do we create passionate students as well. And one of the things that, and we'll put it in the show notes, but I grabbed one of the images that uh, she had on the blog and it was called User Hierarchy of Needs. And she starts with the bottom meaning that it needs to be functional and it needs to be correctness. There has to be learnability, effectiveness, usability, uh, intuitiveness, and the top hierarchy is flow. And there has to be a flow. And I think that's what Clay's talking about. You know, this flow from Twitter to Skype to blogs back to Skype or wherever the network takes us, you know, to Facebook and to Amazon and who knows where that where that flow takes us. But understanding that there's a flow of information and there's a flow to passion and we've got to hook kids into that flow and get them going. And, you know, I'll leave it at that. But I think that's that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about creating passionate users is we've got to get these kids connected in authentic ways. If we don't, we're going to lose them and we're going to lose them soon. And with that, Clay, I'll pass it on to you. Okay. Um, first, Jeff, I just don't want to forget to say, you know, my whole Web 2.0 21st century teaching experience started with you back in what 2002 or three, with of all things Moodle, which I've long since moved on from and don't use anymore. Yeah. Although I administer for, for teachers in my school who do or are comfortable with it, um, and and then after that I went off on my own, uh, you know, self-directed thing, and and so here we are, sort of meeting up again after three or four years. And, that's and so just you know, a really a belated thanks for just being there when I was ready and open. Um, uh, so curriculum authentic you say authentic and I just want to say relevant and you know I, I, I keep thinking of ways to make even curriculum stuff like like I don't know a certain sentence pattern make it relevant um, would be to have students like somehow include that in a project that they were writing where they're like using these sentences blah 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 but I don't want to go off on that direction too much just yeah. just the relevance thing though where there, where it's like curriculum is is steered towards some towards some sort of project that they're working on so that they're they're learning the stuff in the curriculum but they're doing it for their own project that's too vague though um, my post for today is uh, a funny one from Dean Shiresky's ideasandthoughts.org um, called What's for Supper? And um, in it, he just talks about something that, that is an example of what what I'm talking about with this PLN class. Um, somebody made a wiki for him without him even realizing it because they're in his network. And um, and it was a wiki with with recipes on it for for Dean while he while his wife was away, and um, and and it's all playful and fun. And by the way, playful and fun. When my students Twitter, I want them to I want them to tweet the occasional joke and all that sort of thing as they're networking because it, it's still social networking, although it's personal learning. Yeah. So it's okay to have fun while you're doing it, as long as you don't just get carried away and forget to to actually work the network instead of just playing on it. Um, but but it's just a good post for for sort of showing how spontaneous and 
open-ended learning can be through the network. And, and that's what I want my basketball and bar design and YouTube and, and racial stereotyping students to discover, that they can't prescribe and they can't like define and script what's going to happen with their projects. Instead, they have, just have to be open to all the possibilities of somebody saying, yeah, you know, I know a student. Yeah, I've got a picture of a bar. Yeah, I'm a racial stereo. I'm a, I'm a racial minority. I'd love to interview with you, right? Mm-hmm. These things all come. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's about it, I guess. Yeah. You know, you say that, and just on a final note, it's so interesting because, you know, I started, I started using Twitter when I was making dinner uh, for my wife on Wednesday nights about a month ago. And next thing you know, I have people sending me so many recipes that we're doing live Ustream video now on a website called gourmet-geeks.tv. And, you know, we've got a clothing line and it's been insane, but it's that, it's that same, it's that same, you don't know what's going to take off. You don't, and, and it's complete fun and we love doing it and that's why we do it. But it's so interesting that when you allow yourself opened up for the network, what the network can teach you. And, well, and allow I, and you I, to have go. To, I have to jump onto that real quick, and I'll keep this short. One thing that, that I don't trust about what I'm doing with my own students in this PLN class is that I'm saying one project. And I've corrected myself a few times and said, you know what? I've got three or four projects in the fire right now. Yeah, exactly. And if you find another one, be open to it, and you can do two or three or four projects too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. But, okay. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up then before we go off on another tangent because we'll just sit here and talk all night if we let ourselves. We know how we are. So uh, thank you, uh, Clay and David. Thanks, as always, for preparing everything and and getting things set up for us here. And uh, I appreciate you both being here. And we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, David, do you have that information in front of you? I don't have it in front of me. I do. Where are we going to be and who's going to be here? February 7th, no, that's today, February 21st, Justin Hardman from uh, Hong Kong International School is going to come in and talk about the MyDragonet portal that he helped create, and our essential question will be how to expand the learning community to the parents. Great, great. Uh, Clay, as always, as one of our guests, you're welcome to come back anytime in the future and join in on the conversation if you'd like. We'd love to have you back. And thanks again for taking time out of your Friday to be here. And uh, with that, I think we'll call the show a wrap. Thanks, guys. Alrighty, thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks. Thank you, guys. That was fantastic.